You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. If you guys haven't checked out the new Navigator series from Lacrosse, I strongly suggest you do that. Two really good boots within that Navigator series, the Windrose and the Atlas. If you want to find out more information about all of the boots that Lacrosse offers, visit their website, lacrossefootwear.com. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host Dan Johnson and today we are talking all about trail cameras. The first interview that we do is with Chad Sylvester. He is the owner and one of the founders of Exodus Trail Cameras and he gets into a really detailed conversation with me about how trail cameras should perform, uh, why Exodus, why he believes Exodus is a, is a good brand and a good camera, along with a whole bunch of other details that fall into the world of trail cameras. And then the second interview on this episode is with Kimber Odell. And Kimber works for Covert Trail Cameras, and I caught up with her at the 2020 ATA show and uh, she talks about their brand, what makes a good trail camera, and uh, covers some of the similar topics as uh, Chad does. But just like all the episodes that I put out, I tell you, man, I always like to hear from multiple sources within the same time frame. And I think what that really does is it allows you, the listener, to compare yourself, to get two ideas, to get two different uh outlooks at a particular product and then for you guys to know what's important to you to make a decision on what you know product you want to buy and specifically trail cameras for this episode so the very first question that we get into here with chad from exodus is on a very high level what makes a good trail camera well, at the very highest level, I think um, it's probably a little bit different for um, each consumer. Um, you know, there's a lot of hobbyists out there, but in general speaking terms for deer hunters, on a very high level, the camera simply needs to be able to be very reliable, work in the field um, as a tool to provide data, whether that's um, uh, photos through trigger events or videos through trigger events, but it needs to be reliable and not have failures um, basically throughout the hunting season and even even 12 months out of the year there's so many people that are running cameras uh, year round now for off-season 
surveys and, and different things of, of that manner. So at the very highest level, the things just need to be reliable, dependable, um, take photos and operate as they should. Gotcha. Gotcha. So as far as an Exodus customer is concerned, um, first question is how long have you guys been a company now? We have been in business since 2015. Okay. Um, so just over, uh, going on five years. Okay. So in that five years, right, what have your customers wanted out of an Exodus trail camera? Well, really just the exact things that I just talked about, uh, a reliable camera that is easy and simple to operate. That is not going to break the bank. They still want them to be affordable so they can run a fleet of cameras. Um, you know, again, these things being used as tools, oftentimes the more that you have, the more information and the more intel you're able to gather. So reliability, um, you know, being very simple and easy to operate and then, uh, you know, the cost, making them affordable. And that's what we do with our consumer direct business model. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, would you say that your customers, and I know it's, it's hard because everybody wants something different, but would you say that, um, the trail camera market as a whole leans to, we want something more affordable that just takes pictures as opposed to, we want a high end camera that takes, you know, high end video, high megapixel pictures, all the bells and whistles. What, what would you say, um, is the most popular? Well, I think, um, I think there's two different directions there. I think for standard SD card cameras, I think, um, you know, there is a lot of, a lot of options available in the marketplace and you often see other larger companies, companies larger than Exodus offer more, uh, I guess, cheap cameras. And when I say cheap under, under a hundred dollars. Gotcha. Um, so I think for standard cameras, I think that is what people want because they're worried about them being stolen. Um, they're worried about, uh, you know, them being damaged by floods or bears or, uh, different things of that manner. And they've also had so many bad experiences of buying $150 or $200 trail camera and then having it fail inside of a year that their, their mindset is they're better off, you know, spending 60 bucks, a hundred bucks and basically buying a disposable camera and, you know, spend another hundred dollars the next year or two years later to just simply replace that. So standard SD card cameras, I think, I think folks are leaning towards those cheaper, um, cheaper cameras. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when you start to look at cellular or wireless devices, I think that is where people want the ability to have a higher end camera with more customizable features that where um, they truly have, you know, full access remotely to be able to manage their photos and manage their cameras without going into their properties. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the lifespan of a trail camera. And, you know, everybody who's listening right now knows you can go out and buy a trail camera for 40 bucks, or you can buy a trail camera for over 400 bucks. So, mm -hmm. um, do you feel that price directly affects the quality and the performance of a trail camera? Yes, absolutely. There's a, uh, you know, when you, when you start to break down um, the BOM of an actual product or the bill of material for an actual product, there are certain components and processes that you can 
um, install or use in a trail camera or the manufacturing process, such as conformal coatings on a PCB board, that can extend the longevity of your product. Um, there's there's no question about that. There's different types of uh, or different grades of componentry, whether that's consumer grade, um, electronics, there's automotive, medical grade, industrial grade, and they each have a different lifespan. So on the design and the specification sheets of a specific product, you can certainly build um, a higher um, or more expensive BOM to increase that longevity um, of the actual camera. Gotcha. So would you say that that um, uh, BOM, as you put it, is a direct reflection of the lifespan of a trail camera? Well, no, I don't, I don't think that you can say um, just because you have, you know, you have a specification and specification sheet and a product designed to last X amount of months that every single camera produced um, with that specification or on that build material that it's going to last exactly that. I mean, we've been kind of coined or known for, uh, you know, having a five-year warranty and having that launched in 2015. But at the same point in time, there are so many, uh, so many things that could potentially go wrong with cameras. We know that not every single product is going to last, you know, 60 months. There are failures. Things do happen. Procedures or uh, manufacturing processes with human elements um, can certainly add failure points. So not every, uh, you know, not every product is going to last exactly what you think it will. And sometimes they last longer than you, than you think it will. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many variables when you have these things in the field um, that you can't control that, you know, you can't, it's not always a tell, telling sign, but certainly when you're designing and engineering and building a product, you know, you have that, uh, you have that benchmark set um, and then it's just evaluated over time. Right. Okay. So one thing that really upsets me, not just from trail cameras, but for a product in, in general is when my uh, expectation of that product exceeds the lifespan of the product, right? So what mm-hmm. are what are some things that I can do or the listeners can do out there to maybe expand the life of their trail camera? Well, there's, there's actually a lot there. I think, um, you know, oftentimes trail cameras are a little bit misunderstood And there are a lot of best practices you can do with batteries and SD cards um, that can help you, I guess, extend the functionality of your camera. But then at the same time, um, being able to, you know, pull them from the field after the season, after you've done your postseason surveys or whatnot in in February, or, you know, you're checking out to see when those bucks have actually shed and what deer made it through the season, getting them in between that period of, um, I guess, shed season and turkey season, getting them in, making sure that the firmware is up to date, making sure there's no corrosion or anything of that nature in your battery trays, getting them cleaned up, making sure there's no tears on your shields, just normal maintenance. Um, and that's only, you know, taking those things in for a week or two uh, and going over, kind of making a checklist to go over um, and doing those, you know, I guess routine maintenance um, can certainly, without a doubt, increase the longevity and, and field use of, uh, of trail cameras. Gotcha. Um, you know, I know, I know that you guys have done a lot of testing, not only on your own products, but comparing your products to other trail cameras that are out on the market. Um, specifically, where do you see the biggest failures, um, on some of these tests that you've run? I think, uh, well, the biggest is moisture ingress. Um, there's, there's, 
you know, I think there's no, no doubt on that. Uh, aside from, I guess, mechanical or, or design failures, but actually, you know, failures in the field on a, on a well-designed product um, is typically, is typically moisture. Now there's, when you bring in the, the human element of things, you know, using the wrong batteries and having alkaline batteries leak or explode causing corrosion or whatnot, um, whether that's on a terminal or, a, um, you know, you're on and off power switch, preventing that from, from closing. Um, there's certainly failure points there as well, but that's, you know, as a manufacturer, there's less control there of basically how people are using the product. Um, so some of that stuff you can't, you know, always eliminate, but, for everything that we've seen, uh, moisture ingress is, is, you know, the likely um, the largest cause of failure from uh, truck cameras in the field from an engineering and um, design standpoint. Right. Okay. Now, I've worked with you guys in the past, so I know that you guys have really good customer service. But let's say a guy or a gal is out there and they're experiencing some problems with their trail cameras. Are there any... Um, troubleshooting options that are real quick and simple that they might be able to um, go through on their own cameras before they actually call the manufacturer. Absolutely, and that's a. I'm glad that you brought that point up because that makes when someone calls in Exodus, that makes the process so much easier and so much faster to get an RMA label um, sent out when you know that people have done their due diligence and have kind of troubleshot as much as they could on their end. So. One of the, uh, you know, one common, um, one common failure, mechanical failure that you'll see in cameras is um, an IR filter or light meter system actually not working correctly. And the telling sign of that is if you're getting black nighttime photos or your daytime photos have a pink or purple um, hue or tint to them, that is telling me on the phone that that customer has an IR filter that is not working correctly. The IR filter is actually a filter that drops over the lens and it's operated off the light metering system. So that light metering system is telling the camera how much ambient light is available in the environment. If it does not need a flash and it's just going to take a color daytime photo, that filter stays, stays open. When you get to a transition period at dawn and dusk, um, that filter will actually drop. When the flash needs to fire to illuminate that environment to take, you know, a black and white nighttime photo with a, red flash or black flash camera um, that filter will drop and then that allows the camera to capture cap basically capture that flash so when that thing is malfunctioning when it's i guess stuck shut that's when you get that pink and purple hue to your daytime photos and then that can also cause um, if it's stuck open and not closing that can cause black photos at night now that's a common thing um, that we see we we have excess cameras that uh you know, we have a handful of cameras every year that come back like that, and it's a that's an easy fix for us. You know, we we install a new lens assembly there. Um, on the other side, another, you know, one of the things that we often get a lot is the question. I think my camera's taking it's taking nonstop photos, right? So I think we've all kind of been there. Um, you go through an SD card and it has hundreds of blank photos of leaves blowing around or whatever. Yeah. Now. That could be the way you have the camera set up, or that could be a failure of the PIR sensor. The easiest way to test that and troubleshoot that yourself is format your SD card, you know, wipe that clean so there's nothing on it, make sure you got good batteries in the camera, and basically set that camera up facing a wall, or you could put it in a kitchen cabinet or in a bathroom, a closet, somewhere where that camera cannot be triggered 
it's impossible um, for any kind of trigger event to happen there. And then let it run for five, ten minutes, go back and check it. The only pictures that should be on that card is maybe when you're setting the camera down and then when you're picking it up uh, to actually see what's on that card. If that camera's taking nonstop pictures with it set up in an environment like that, there is an element burnout in your PIR sensor. Um, so just real quick on how those PIR sensors actually work, most cameras use a dual element sensor where each sensor um, is reading the infrared radiation in the environment and they're weighted equally. When one element burns out, that reading is no longer equal and it's causing that camera to think that there's some type of change in that environment, thus causing the trigger event. Okay. All right. So, and then, so those are things that you can do. And then once you identify the problem or uh, maybe you've, you've reached the, the uh, end of your own personal knowledge base, then that's when you should call the manufacturer and say, hey, I've tried everything. It's still not working. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And yet another common, one other common thing there is uh, if you're getting SD card errors, sometimes there could be dirt or debris or something like that stuck in your SD card socket. Um, now every manufacturer is going to have a different take on this, what you should actually do. We recommend, you know, you could use a, just a can of like keyboard cleaner, like the compressed air. Yep. Um, and, and just squirt that in there or, or, uh, spray, put, put a little bit of air to it to see if it'll dislodge anything. Um, a lot of times if people have this on field edges and whatnot with, uh, you know, big ag around, it can, it can accumulate dust, um, over time. So that's another easy, easy, uh, easy tip. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, in the email that you sent me back about things that you, you think uh, a guy should know about what, what is a detection circuit and why is a detection circuit important? Well, that, um, it's important for people to understand a detection circuit because that is going to increase their knowledge of how to actually set their camera up and understand why or how it's actually taking pictures. Um, I briefly went over, uh, you know, the elements in a PIR sensor, um, just very briefly of how those actually take pictures um, with the with the infrared radiation readings changing from those elements. So the detection a detection circuit includes your PIR sensor, your trigger speed, your field of view, and it's important to know um, what that detection angle is and if it matches or if it's offset from your um, field of view of your lens because if your trigger speeds now most of this goes back to the manufacturer and the design of the product but a well-designed product um, will either have a uh, trigger speed that allows your field of view and your detection to match or it is offset to where your animal or object can come into frame and take a photo and not have um, a bunch of a bunch of noses or a bunch of butts, um, things of that manner. Now it's important for people to understand how that works because with dual element sensors, if you let's say you have a, a camera on a trail and you have that camera, you know, facing I guess parallel on that trail, facing up or down that trail, like perfectly parallel with that trail. Any dual element sensor, because you're taking two readings from two different elements. Um, it's going to struggle with that head-on detection. So it's always best to place those cameras at a decent distance, um, you know, 25, 30 feet, whatever, uh, away that is either perpendicular to your target environment or maybe um, placing that camera to where it 
you know, the deer movement is either quartering into or quartering away from that camera. And that will actually increase the, I guess, the horizontal length of that detection circuit. Okay. So just for simple math, if you, if you had a detection angle in a field of view of 45 degrees, that is a one-to-one ratio. So for every 10 feet you got away from the camera, the horizontal detection would be 10 feet across. If you got 20 feet away, then you have 20 feet there. So that broadens the, uh, broadens the area of the actual detection circuit. Gotcha. Do you, do you think that, uh, based off your experiences, people are putting trail cameras too close to where they are expecting, let's say like a deer to come through? No, I think, uh, I mean, most of the people that we talk to, um, I think do a pretty good job. I think the, the biggest, the biggest mistake there is, um, people not understanding actually how those PIR sensors actually work and fit, putting them in a, set up in a manner to where they're expecting movement directly at the camera in that head on direction. Right. And then that camera, you know, is not going to, obviously it's not going to, it's going to struggle to trigger. It will trigger, but it will be closer than, uh, than what you anticipate. I think that is one mistake. And then um, just having them in high vegetation areas, which is, yeah. so easy to do you go out and hang a camera and you get a bunch of false triggers so i think those are the two the two biggest mistakes people make gotcha all right so the next two things i want to talk about and i'm going to ask uh i'm going to ask him in one question here is mm-hmm. why don't you talk to us i guess it's more of a comment but why don't you talk to us a little bit about <laughs> best practices for batteries and best practices for sd mm-hmm. cards yeah absolutely this is uh you know, this is something that we talk about a lot. It's, 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 we talk about it so often, it's, it's like beating a, a, a dead horse with a stick. But um, best practices with SD cards. SD cards can cause a lot of, ha- a lot of havoc um, in your show cameras if you're using them incorrectly. Now, every manufacturer and every product is going to use a different codec and offer, operate off a different chipset. So they're going to have some type of recommendation as far as what class card, what capacity, and format. Um, so always kind of verify that first um, when you're gearing up with SD cards for a specific camera. But best practices for SD cards is basically you need to have two SD cards per camera and label them. Um, this is going to do a couple things. One is if you ever have a problem with that camera, it's very easy to decipher whether that is a SD card issue because if it's happening repetitively with the same SD card then and not the other SD card, you're able to say, okay, well, it was card, you know, card A, not card B. Let's, let's take that out of, uh, let's take that out of, out of the fleet, out of the service, out of service. So by doing that, um, that's very, very helpful. And on the other note, you should always, now this is things that we've seen, um, with customers, I guess the first couple of years, I guess you should really have those two cards dedicated for that device and not use them in other devices because if, uh, if a different device is using a different codec, it can, it can cause, um, some, some issues with file allocation tables, which then turn into storage issues or writing issues or card locked issues. So the easiest way to do it is use two cards per camera label them and dedicate those two cards for that camera and not use digital cameras to view your photos or use, um, you know, put them in other trail cameras or anything, anything like that. So 
That's, that is what Exodus recommends um, to all of our customers gotcha. for those SD cards. Now, on the batteries, um, we really very, very strongly feel that lithium batteries are the best power option for trail cameras. Um, and basically, that is due to the uh, chemical makeup um, of, of those batteries versus their counterparts, alkalines or nickel metal hydrides. So with lithiums, they start at 1.7 volts and they have a constant voltage output somewhere out to, you know, three amp hours, 3.2 amp hours. Um, there's next to zero voltage drop. So you're going to get constant charge, constant power output, and uh, you're not going to experience um, uh, that, that voltage drop and cause any issues with the camera. When you start looking at alkaline batteries, you know, they're at uh, basically 1.5 amp hours of capacity. But if you looked at their discharge rate, they start at 1.5 volts. And every time that the camera is drawing power from them, there's actually voltage loss. So even though that they're listed as 1.5 amp hours, you're not really obtaining that full capacity because once you get down to uh, 1.2 volts per cell, um, there's, you know, you're not going to have enough power there to, to really run that camera the way it should. And what you'll start to see is, um, your detection will slow down, your flash range will start to shrink up, uh, your trigger speed will maybe get a little bit slower. Um, and then once those get down to, you know, seven, seven, uh, 700 milliamp hours, then you're really going to start to see, uh, start to see some issues. So, um, and then on top of that, there's, you know, the cold weather performance lithiums are, uh, they're rated to like minus 40 and up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit because of, um, because of the chemical compound and makeup of them. They're less affected by extreme weather. They're guaranteed not to leak. Where when you start to look at alkalines, they don't have that performance in extreme weather conditions. And oftentimes in scenarios where you're in extreme weather conditions, they do have a possibility to leak and then cause damage to, you know, ultimately cause damage to your cameras. So, um, you know, the lithiums are a little more expensive, but they're, you know, about two and a half times the capacity and they run your cameras much, much, much more efficient. Gotcha. All right. So now, you know, hearing all these things, let's say it's a guy, uh, this guy is listening to this and he says, all right, it's time for me to buy a trail camera. You know, mm -hmm. there's like, and we talked about this earlier, there's a lot of bells and whistles. There's the high end, there's the low end, everything in between. What should someone, you take away money for a second. Mm -hmm. What is, what are the things that someone really needs to focus on? Like the top two or three things that someone really needs to focus on when going out and purchasing a trail camera? Well, the very first thing they need to think about is how their camera is going to be used. Um, when we look at design products, we look at, uh, we break, basically break them down into two use cases. We look at static environment uses and then dynamic environment uses. Um, static environments would include areas um, that basically where you can dictate deer movement uh, and know that those animals are going to spend an allotted amount of time there. So that would include like a feeder site, a bait station, mineral licks, um, thing like, things like that where you can almost dictate where those deer are coming from, where they're going to be in that detection area, and you know they're going to spend a lot amount of time there. So if guys are using their cameras for inventory purposes in situations like that, they don't need an ultra-fast trigger speed. They don't need ultra-fast recovery times. Um, they simply need a camera that's going to take photos and work and have good, reliable battery life. Um, and then when you start to look at dynamic environments where 
you can, um, there's a little less control there, like over ag fields or food plots, um, you know, trails, bedding areas, things of that nature, staging areas. That is where you want cameras to have faster trigger speeds and faster recovery times um, and things of that nature. And of course, you know, the rest is really subjective beyond that. Right. Uh, if a guy wants a camera that, you know, takes great video, then, you know, in the, he should be looking at, you know, the native, um, the native image sensor size of that camera, because it's going to dictate what type of, um, what type of video and what frame rate is put out. And the big thing with the megapixel thing, just to touch on, um, you know, a lot of it is you, you'll, you were starting to see thir- cameras with 30 megapixel images and, Frankly, it's it's all done through software and through interpolation. So there's not a whole lot of companies that are using anything any bigger than a five or even even a twelve um, megapixel uh, sensor in their cameras is even stretching it. Um, but you're starting to see a little more of that. Um, there's really, you know, that rating is doing nothing but in really increasing the file size. It doesn't. It's not doing a whole lot for the actual um, image quality per se. So just wanted to. Yeah, just touch on that for a minute. But I also heard that I also heard that there's a point when it comes to megapixels that the human eye can't even detect the difference anymore. Well, that is, uh, you know, I I I can't say you know I can't say for sure. I know we've had a discussion as far as um, frame rate of video, whether or not you can tell the difference. You know, the human eye can tell the difference between like 1080p at 30 frames or 60 frames, or what actually you can you know, tell the difference in as far as video quality, because we have been looking at, um, you know, future models and different, um, different size sensors with different abilities to put out, uh, higher frame rates. And that's something we've just, you know, kind of discussed uh, internally. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm not hundred percent certain on what that actual megapixel limit is of the human eye. Um, whether or not you can tell a difference between a 20 megapixel image or a 30 or 50 or you know whatever so gotcha okay all right so you know you know people listen to this and they want to know more um about let's say exodus um here's your pitch you know why should a guy consider exodus trail cameras when it's time to go purchase a trail camera well there's um you know the biggest thing is um we're a consumer direct company so there's no retail margin in our products so you're you're able to get a uh, a higher end product, um, you know, without the, without the retail markup, we were the very first camera company to offer five-year warranty. We've been in business. You know, again, a lot of people may think that because we've only been in business five years, that that's not, you know, not, not a big deal because we haven't been around 10 or 12, you know, whatever years, but, um, you know, the warranty kind of speaks for itself. We are also the only camera company that offers theft and damage replacement. Um, and that policy looks like if your camera is stolen, it's lost in a flood, a fire, um, and you chew up by a bear, we replace that camera for half off, you know, inside of that, inside of that five years. Um, so we give the customer the ability to do that. We're also, um, you know, we pride ourselves on customer service. We do repair cameras in-house. So we have an in-house board tech that, uh, makes any kind of necessary repairs to cameras. You know, sometimes the, if the cost is, uh, you know, more substantial than what we like, a lot of times we will just send a replacement, um, but we are one of the only camera companies that, that, that does in-house repair. And then, you know, the customer service, um, we're a small company. We value each and every customer, whether you're buying one or 20. So, um, we try to treat people, um, in that manner and, 
make ourselves a lot of times <laughs> too accessible. Um, you know, we're answering the phones pretty late here. So I guess that's the, the elevator, the elevator pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you mentioned, uh, meant, first off, I want you to tell everybody the website because, um, I feel like you guys have a lot of good, not necessarily about Exodus, but a lot of good blog articles, uh, about mm-hmm. trail camera maintenance, performance function, all that stuff. So why don't you, mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, let everybody know where we should send them if they have any more questions about Exodus or just trail cameras in general. Yeah, they can go to, uh, Exodus outdoor Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the objective for us here is whether they're an Exodus customer or not is to help educate people on trail cameras, best practices and whatnot. And there are, I don't, I'm not even sure. There's a lot of blogs that we've written over the last five years that talk about, um, you know, different things about megapixels and detection areas or detection circuits, best practices with batteries and SD cards, all of that stuff. Um, and a lot of times you could search that stuff into Google and where the, you know, where the first page that pops up or at least in the top three or four or five pages that pop up. So all that stuff's very good um, general knowledge and they can find it at the website. Just to echo what Chad said there at the end, their website has a lot of really good information on it, not necessarily about Exodus, but trail camera maintenance in general, how to properly store trail cameras, how to properly use trail cameras, the batteries that uh, need to be used. So use their website as a resource uh, for your own trail cameras, whether you have an Exodus or not. Now, The next interview on this episode is with Kimber O'Dell, and I caught up with her at the ATA show, and uh, we have a good conversation about the brand that she works for, Covert Trail Cameras. All right, everybody, we are here at the Faradine booth. Specifically today, we're going to be talking with Covert, and we're talking specifically again. Man, that was kind of a horrible intro, but we're going to roll with it. Kimber Odell with Covert, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good deal. And uh, this is going to be a real quick, fast uh, podcast, and uh, we're going to talk about Covert trail cameras. I want to kick it off with your idea of the perfect trail camera. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I think there is. Um, Right now, the the big hype is going to be wireless cameras, and and we've been doing it since 2010. So I think we're we're getting there closer to the the perfect trail camera. Yeah. So when you say 2010, is that when Covert started? Or you guys were were before 2010? We've been around since 2008, but we didn't have a wireless camera until 2010. Gotcha. Okay. So the perfect trail camera, how do you define that? Um, I would say um, great wireless. It's going to be, right now, it's going to be 4G LTE. It's got good video. It's got good pictures. And you have all the functions of the facial recognitions type. Um, basically, when I say facial recognition, I mean more your turkeys, your deer, your um, animals in, in general. Um, and I would say that would probably be where the perfect trail camera would be for me. So that, what you just said, kind of blows me out of the water because I think of a trail camera from where they used to be, right? Uh, my, my very first trail camera was a Moultrie. It used D batteries, and it weighed, it was like carrying a VCR. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. that big into the timber, and then when the grass would blow in front of it all day, it'd take pictures. pictures all day. And then I'd have to go get it developed instead of the SD card. So trail cameras have come a long way. 
What is it about Covert specifically that that may have an upper hand on maybe the competition, or let's just say, why should a serious hunter get a Covert trail camera? Simply put, is because they work. Yeah. Um, don't have issues um, very rarely I mean everybody has a, if you have an electronic device somebody's gonna have an issue at some time but if you do um, we, we pride ourselves in our customer service um, we come, every camera we have comes with a two-year warranty um, so stuff like that would be what means a lot to me you know, I want to make sure if I buy higher dollar unit that I'm gonna have support if, if I ever need it right sure yeah where, where do you see the, the trail camera market going as kind of a whole because we, we really have seen big strides I feel in the last five years as far as the technology going into the trail camera you know the wireless side of things where do you see the market as a whole going I think everybody will be in the uh, wireless um, game before it's over with yeah. um, most most of the play, big players already are um, I don't think the, your standard cameras are going to go away completely because there's so many places that still don't have good cell phone signal. Um, but I would say it's got to stay with the wireless side. That's where everything's going. Right, right. Where, so, so do you think that a camera, all trail cameras in the future are going to have a wireless option to the point where people are going to stop making just I guess what would what we now call a standard trail camera I don't think they'll ever stop making them um, I think that everybody's putting more time and effort into the technology on the newer side of wireless yeah. um, versus the standard camera yeah okay. I mean we are so I, I would assume that's what most everybody else is doing too okay so then now specifically covert all right we talk about trigger speed, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about battery life. Those are the two prominent things that stick out for me and the ability to work, right? I mean, I, I, don't, li I don't live next to my hunting properties. Mm -hmm. So when I put a trail camera out and I go to check them and there's a problem, you want to see a kid, uh, an adult, act like a child? That's me. Cursing, <laughs> right? kicking is like, that, that's horrible. So is there an industry standard now for battery life and trigger speed? Um, everybody wants a fast trigger speed. Everybody wants great battery life, and that's that's two of the things that we do try to improve going forward every year, and which we have. Um, you know, wireless cameras from a .22 trigger speed um, in the battery life for up to three months on and that would be like in being able to do real time for us which means I can make any changes on my app to the camera specifically with in real time like if I make a change on my app it changes now I'm getting three months worth of battery life on on that now and if I, there's some changes I can make on those cameras to where they will last longer uh, six months you know on a set of double A batteries uh, so I think that the longer battery life that you can you can get on the cameras. It does make a difference to your consumer. Yeah. So what about the technology that is available, right? I mean, we see trail cameras on the market that are $35 to $600 plus, right? right? Where does Covert fall in that? And, does, and do you feel that price represents quality in this market? Absolutely. Uh, I think that price absolutely is still the same thing you've always heard you get what you pay for yeah. Yeah. um 
the the biggest thing for us we are more at the top end of that spectrum we're not the, t the highest but we are higher than a lot of these other guys in the game right now but we have chipsets you have to talk about you've got your standard boards you've got your image processors your lenses and, and we use higher quality stuff than some of our competitors do and i think it goes with you get what you pay for okay so now going back to the actual makeup of a trail camera um, is does material play a role in uh, the quality of the trail camera and maybe let's say like the casing or the specific wiring and chips that allow a trail camera to last longer or I guess not as long as I don't even, I don't even know if there is a industry standard as far as a trail camera should last three years five years seven years or. you know I don't know the answer to that I, I've had some cameras and still have some cameras that are eight years old that we that are still working fine um, and normally what I see is if you leave them out year-round and let them work let them do what they're supposed to do they seem to, to always last longer. Um, that some guys think that, oh, let me put them out during hunting season and bring them in, they'll last longer that way. I, that's not what I see. I see if you leave them out and let them do what they're supposed to do, they last a whole lot longer. I'd say yes and no. I hunt yeah. in northern Michigan, and our winters are nasty. nasty. Then I don't think any electronic does good when it's <laughs> negative 10 degrees out. You're probably right on that yeah, one. Yeah, so. Which I'm, I'm basing off of Kentucky. And, you okay. know, Kentucky don't yep. get that cold of winters. Right. But it's, it's, we do get snow. We do get a lot of rain. Yeah. So I, and I, I, don't know. I hear you. I leave, I leave some cameras up in the Midwest year-round, and I've had, I've had no issues. But I know, I, you know, you check the weather while you're back home. And you can see out there that it is 10 degrees, stuff like that. I mean, it's they 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 definitely work through um, some severely cold temperatures. But right. back home, if I can get to them, I try to get them off yeah. and ba back inside. Yeah. January, February, March. With the future, right? It's crazy. I, I look at a trail camera the same way I look at a cell phone, right? Being able to connect. I mean, we have we have security systems in homes that you can pull up an app, you can look at, look at it, and you can see what your kids are doing or you know, what the dog's doing or right. inside of your home. Do you see trail cameras going down that route to the point where we're able to see real time between the connection from an app to the... Uh, Basically, uh, like logging camera. in and being able to see yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. We already have the function of, you know, pressing a real-time photo, meaning I want to take a picture, whether something's there or not, I want to take a picture now, and it comes back instantly. Oh, wow. So I think that's not out of the realm at all. Can you do that with video as well? Yeah, you okay. can. It doesn't so matter. You, the you can, from the app, you can, launch, uh, you can launch a trigger, meaning a picture or a video, and then it will, from right now, and it will send it back to it. Yes. See, that's crazy. And then I believe this says you can hook up to... What, nine cameras? So that's a, our new system. That's something that's new for 2020. It's um, called the LoRa system. And what that is is it has a base unit, and it has um, basically child cameras. Yeah. So you can have nine of those cameras hooked up to the base. It could be up to 1,100 yards away. So it's a little over six-tenths of a mile. Yeah. Um, and they work independently. So it doesn't. So if camera one goes down because the batteries are dead, all your other cameras are still working. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pretty excited about that. Uh, it, it should be available in June. June, right. So it, they all kind of piggyback to the main hub 
No, not at all. They don't. They don't connect to the, the cameras. Don't connect each other. Okay. So the camera only connects to the base. Yeah. So each camera connects directly back uh, to the base. Like a spider okay. web. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah, you couldn't like daisy chain it no, through. No, it's not gotcha. daisy chain. And gotcha. the main reason we didn't want to do that was because right now, if you daisy chain and so if camera two goes down, if you have nine cameras, all right. the other cameras are down too. Right. Now, does it does it also have the option to? transmit plus save the image to an SD card? So all the cameras will have the pictures saved to the SD card. Okay. And so the cameras will, will send the the compressed picture to the, the, the base, and the base will send it to the app. All right. All right. So let's let's talk about that. I mean, what what's next as far maybe even the market or for trail cameras, specifically covert, what's next? Is there anything that's just, oh, my God, look at what these guys are doing. It's groundbreaking. It's mind-blowing. I don't know. I don't know what's next. Um, this is this one, like I said, that's completely new for us this yeah. year. Um, some other guys in the in the industry have Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi, and this is a completely different system. This yeah. is this is called LoRa system, and um, that's what we're using. That's the technology we're using, and as of right now, we're the only ones doing that. Okay. What's the learning curve for people to operate a, one of these cell cams properly, is, is it fair, uh, fairly easy, or is there is there a learning curve? Um, it's fairly easy. I, to me, if even if you've not ever owned a covert wireless camera, we always send that little quick start guide with the in the packaging. It takes not even five minutes to get one set up. Yeah, and so it's really not. It's so easy now that I, I just don't really feel like there should be a learning curve with it. So what about the opposite end of the spectrum? Non-cell cams, a guy who maybe he's going on a, a public land hunt out in the middle of nowhere, he wants to set a very cheap, very small trail camera on the trail so that when he goes in and out, it's maybe only up for four days mm -hmm. uh, at a time, that he doesn't care if the image quality is 4K or the image, you know, it's uh, X amount of pixels. All he wants to know is if a either a mature buck or a target animal has been there in the last 24 hours. I would probably say that he needs to go with our MP16. We've had it started out as the MP6 and it's worked its way up to be a 16 megapixel camera, and it's just our workhorse camera. Um, 109 retail, and it's we've had it. Like I said, we've had it in the lineup for probably six or seven years now. Okay. You know, you know the saying, uh, especially with trail cameras, as technology, you know, as, as technology becomes easier to manufacture, all that stuff, price tends to go down. Do you see um, you guys coming out with even a cheaper or um, uh, lower price point? You know, we that? may at some point come out with lower price point cameras. But to be honest with you, I don't want to do the race to the bottom. Yeah. I, I want a quality product. Covert, to me, stands for a quality product, and I don't want to get to that, that really low price where you're, you're having a lot of returns. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying, um, I guess my question was, you guys have been around for a while. You, you guys have a quality trail camera. Why can't a guy make a cheap quality camera, trail camera that has... The only thing you do is turn it on. There's no options. You turn it on, and it takes three pictures. Oh, I'm sure you, yeah. we could, um, yeah. but with the with the components that we're still using, they're still more expensive. Gotcha. So that's why we don't have your $25 camera that's has one option. And it's yeah. just it, it's 
the, the components inside are just more expensive. Yeah. So trail camera as a whole, uh, or covert as a whole, where, why should a hunter choose covert? When, you know, there's obviously hundreds of trail cameras on the market. Why covert? Um, I would say, like we started out, they simply work. Um, you want to cam- You want to make sure that you're if you're putting that camera out. That it's when you come back to it, it's going to be taking pictures. It's wrote pictures to the SD card, and you're, and you're not missing images. That's what you want, and I, man, that's what I would want. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other new items, uh, new products that you guys have come out with this year, or are expecting to launch in the next couple of years? We have. We actually come out with a couple more um, wireless cameras this year. We have the AW series. And what that is, is a app-based wireless camera. Um, our Co-Blacks and Blackhawks we've had for the last few years, we've made, made updates and upgrades in those cameras. Um, but they're, they physically look basically the same. Um, but our, our, our AW series is you have to program them directly from the app. There's no display screen. They're smaller. Okay. So that's, that's new to, for us. Um, it's still a great camera. I've, I've got a few of those out working right now, and I'm, I'm very pleased with, with the how they're performing. Um, we've also come out with um, some actually non-wireless cameras this year as well, um, but we're still not at that really cheap price point. We, we have a quality product, 30 megapixel camera, 22 megapixel camera. Cool. Can you uh, talk to us about the warranty? What is yeah. that? You said there's a two-year warranty? Yes, we have a two-year manufacturer defect warranty. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, if you run it over with your four-wheeler or your truck, there's, that's not manufacturer defect. Right. But um, we'll help you as much as we can. If we And we have pro- the, the components in the office the, to fix most issues that normal truck cameras might have. Okay. So as right. s- simple as just I'm using a camera, it, it works for three months, and all of a sudden it stops taking pictures on me for whatever reason. Just contact you send it back in yep we call us or email us chat with us you know just basically get in contact with us let's get you our ra number have you send it back and we'll get it back to you pretty quick okay now um customer feedback mm-hmm. everybody wants something different there's a thousand hunters that all want different things and you know that hey like i mentioned what about a cheap camera and then you got a guy who want hey, i want a real expensive one and there's different price points different functionalities when, a, when someone comes to you and says, hey, I have an idea, or I want, uh, I would love to hear, you know, to see a camera come out with this functionality, how do you take customer feedback, and then how do you get some of that back into a finished product? Oh, well, definitely listen. Uh, I always want to see what somebody else is wanting. Um, and then if it's something that we like and we think is a really good idea, you know, we'll get with our um, suppliers. We'll work with our engineers and see if we can't get something fixed. All right. There are a lot of uh, dumbasses, I'm just going to say it, in this world. And I'm sure in uh, the technological side of things, I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to call your customers dumbasses <laughs> on this show. But I've been in uh, customer service before, and there's, you know, it's just like, have you, you know, what's that, what's that movie, uh, Sling Blade? The guy just goes, ain't got no gas in it, you know? <laughs> so, um, how... Like when, when someone calls in and they're mad and they're confused, how do you guys handle those situations? Um, you know, we don't get it a lot or, or people are mad. Every once in a while, I mean, yeah, I understand. Um, but usually it's just they want to hear 
why? Why is this doing this? And if most of the time, if we can just say, look, man, this is what's going on, we'll fix it, or it's a setting, or it's a, and we explain to them, they just want to know why it's doing what it's doing. And so usually we, we don't have very many escalations that can't be fixed pretty easily. Yeah. All right, so uh, we've talked about the new products. We've talked about the company. Uh, anything else new and exciting that you want to mention about Covert? Um, I think we mentioned most of it. So. Perfect. Do you do you guys have a um, no glow? Yes, it's we call it. Um, black we flash. say black flash black in most flash. of it. Okay. Um, but all of our cameras are black flash except for one, and we've got it's it's the NWF 18, which okay. is a white flash camera. It's got a LED and then also or two LEDs and also the the strobe. Okay. You don't use the uh, infrared. Nope, all of ours are, are straight black flash. We we had both in the past. We had the infrared with the the black flash, okay. and it just it just didn't sell as well as the black flash. It seemed like that's what everyone was going to. So we increased our our LED bulbs on the black flash side okay. to to make a better nighttime. I'll have picture. to check that out. I haven't had good luck with any black flash really? camera. Yeah, so I'll have to check that out with. Oh. Absolutely. I don't have any covert, so yeah. we might need to change that. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this episode. Huge shout out to Kimber and Chad for taking time to hop on and uh, chit chat with us about trail cameras. Hopefully you guys got something out of this episode and hopefully you're getting something out of all the episodes that we're dropping. I just feel like there was a need to start this podcast just to get a lot more detailed information about specific products out there and get it straight from the horse's mouth. So that's why I uh, decided to start this and that's why me and Bob are doing what we're doing. So keep you know, keep following along. If you guys have any recommendations or would love to hear me chat with a specific company, please do so. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. Hit Bob up on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, we will definitely take into consideration what you guys would love us to talk about. What you guys. Anyway, have a great day. Have a great uh, month, whatever. And I guess we will talk to you when we talk to you.